Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor here. My dad's also a pastor here. His name's John Bruce. He's here. Dad, how are you doing? I'm here. You're here. That's I'm here. great. I'm here all together. So <laughs> so we had a holiday yesterday, Dad. President's Day. How, how was your President's Day? Let's see. Um, I think it was like every other Monday um, for me. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. Dad, was there a particular president you were celebrating on President's Day? I think Benjamin Garfield is my was my president this year. Great. And uh, I went with Coolidge. So really? each year we highlight a different one in their contributions. And uh, no, we don't. The Coolidge, the, the, the president who never spoke. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do much apparently. But uh, well. We can say that about all of them, or yeah. <laughs> most of them, didn't we? <laughs> all right. Well, this is not a podcast about politics, and uh, but it is a podcast about habits. And we are talking about bad habits in a series we've entitled Dirty Deeds. It's based on Romans 8.13, where Paul says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says there are deeds that we must kill, or those deeds will kill us. As the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin, or it will be killing you. For all of us as believers, uh, our spirits are renewed and changed when we come to Christ, but we still live in these fleshly bodies, bodies under the dominion of sin that don't want to do what God commands. And so, much of Christian growth is identifying these habits, these deeply ingrained rhythms that live in our bodies, identifying them, and then mortifying them. And the truth is, we can't develop good habits until we've killed the bad habits. Uh, Aquinas said only habit overcomes habit, and so until we kill bad habits, we don't make room for the good habits. So we're looking at the deeds of the flesh, these habits Paul talks about, and how to identify them, how to mortify them. We've talked about pride, greed, anger, or wrath, and today we talk about lust. And I think it's good to start with a definition, Dad. In modern usage, lust almost always refers to sexual desire. Right. But in the Bible, it seems that lust is used a bit more expansively. Yeah, any strong desire. Yeah. Yeah, and Paul often talks about lusts of the flesh yes. in a very expansive way yeah. as yeah. what's wrong with us. The Greek word is epithumia, and uh, just means an over-desire. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's not that desire is bad, but there are these compulsive desires yeah. Uh, yeah. that lead us to gratify them outside of the boundaries God has set. Right, right. Yeah, I think as a younger man, I made the mistake of identifying lust with sexual desire. And really, they're two completely different things. Hmm. Um, that, that sexual desire is just the normal desires uh, of the body. But lust is, I think, a more intense craving with a focus on self. And, uh, and so it, it, is, uh, uh, it is what Paul talked about, I think, in Romans one twenty four. It says, therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their flesh to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator. 
that because we turn from God to idolatry, God gives us over to unnatural desires or to the amplification of natural desires so that they become something that is much stronger than what he created it to be. Why is that distinction important, sexual desire from lust? Um, is it that we have to identify the right enemy here? Is that... I think so, but also I think our tendency is whatever we feel, we feel like that's normal. And so this, this is normal, and so why is God being so mean to uh, prohibit this from me? But if I see it not as normal, but as exaggerated or amplified by sin, uh, then it begins to give me hope that there is, there is normality that I, can, that I can attain through walking in the Spirit. That's good. Yeah, if you associate the strength of a desire with naturalness. Yes. So that, well, if I feel this so strongly, then it must be a natural desire. That's one of the fallacies. Yeah, here. yeah, exactly. Um, and where sin, by its nature, takes a, a natural desire that God has implanted us, something that is in the created order, but then distorts, amplifies it exactly in, in such a way. And that's good, and I think that's always important for us as Christians to keep in mind because we live in the culture of authenticity, Yes, where what I feel is what's real. Yeah. And, and so we're encouraged to look inside and explore yeah. feelings as the way to determine reality or what would be authentically right. true to myself. Right. And the Bible would give us a more nuanced and sophisticated view of our, of our interior lives. Yes. There's, there's passions, there's affections, there's desires, there's lusts. Yes. There's different ways of talking about desire, and uh, and all of those are different than emotion. And so it's a much more complex view of human nature exactly. than, than sometimes what our culture gives us, yeah. uh, what we all subsume under the word feel. Yes. I had a friend years ago who, um, for him, it was natural for him to eat two meals at once at, at, at dinner, for dinner. I mean, we'd all go out to dinner together, and he would order two complete different dinners. I've been there. And he was uh, but for him that was that was normal desire. And I mean it felt normal to him. He felt like, well this is what I need. But that wasn't what he needed. He died a, a premature death. He was a great guy, man of God and and really uh, really served the Lord, but because he had this pattern of eating far more than he really needed it impacted his health. And I think the same thing is true, can be true of lust, that, that what feels normal to us really isn't normal, but you, you have been deceived by sin. And the other, the other difference I would point out uh, between sexual desire and normal sexual desire as created by God and lust is that lust is purely self-centered. You, you, you aren't attracted to that person. You are attracted to a body. And your focus is on your own fulfillment, your own pleasure, uh, as opposed to them and giving them pleasure. Yeah, lust by its very nature, if we're talking about it in terms of sex, it's an abstraction of sex. That's good. From a greater yeah. um, meaning. Yeah. And so I'm looking at the person, one person I've heard describe it as stripping them for parts. 
yes. in a sense. Just like yes. just like a, a car could be stripped for parts and, yeah. and disintegrated in that way. Yeah. You are stripping the human for parts. Yeah. You are looking at them in terms of what can gratify yeah. you and not as a whole individual with wants and desires exactly. and a nature and all of those other things. Yeah. And so that's yeah. that's how you know it's an over desire because you're you're amplifying this one desire. And, and it's not ordered around other good desires. Exactly. No, that's good. And so I think by by having a, a clear definition of lust, we, it's easier for us to see why God forbids it. Um, because it's, it, is, it is something, it's not a natural thing that God is forbidding us, but it's, it is an unnatural thing that God is protecting us from. Yeah, and and protection assumes that there are tremendous dangers involved in giving in to yeah. to lust. So why don't we go into those the, okay. the dangers biblically, societally, wherever we want to go? And this is not going to be a four hour podcast. So let's just <laughs> try to go pre. Yeah, Max is relieved. Uh, yeah, but but just go kind of briefly through through some of the things that lust creates in a human when it's unchecked. Right. Well, I mean, it makes you a slave, for one thing. And it, it makes you an addict, and you can't find satisfaction. It takes more and more to satisfy you, and you find that what used to get you excited doesn't get you excited anymore. And, and so you're basically becoming baser and baser uh, in, your, in your attempts to satisfy yourself. And so it's, uh, it, it's just a sad, sad situation. So that would be one thing, I think. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about, because we talk about sexual addiction in yeah. our culture so often. Addiction is sort of the physiological side of the coin to idolatry, which is the spiritual side yeah. of the coin. It's yeah. the way I would put it. And there's physiological things that have to be dealt with, yeah. then there's spiritual things that have to be yeah. dealt with. But in each case, it's this over-desire that yeah. has both spiritual and physiological manifestations Right. Uh, that ultimately, right, it makes you a slave to that thing. Right. Which is the great irony in our culture, where ever since the you know 1960s and the advent of the pill and everything else, sexual liberation is, is how this is promised to us. That yeah. If I just find my desires, whatever they are, and find a consenting partner or partners, uh, then I'm going to be free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think then another another effect or another result of lust is as as. Solomon says, and he says that the, that, that the immoral woman increases faithlessness among men, that, that there is a, 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 a falling apart of, of society because everyone is living for themselves and for their own pleasure. And so rather than bringing society together, it pushes society apart, which is what we're seeing in our culture, is that with the sexual liberation, we didn't achieve more unity, more uh, togetherness, but it, in fact, it made us more isolated because you can't trust anybody. Everybody's out for themselves. You, you can't. People don't stick by their words, uh, especially sexually. And and uh, so anyway, I think I think women have found that, and men that that they're they're just being used uh, as as if that's a great thing, and and as a result, they can't trust anybody. Yeah, and it's such an intimate part of our lives. Yeah, that touches on our very identity, personhood, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that to to just say liberation, and then yeah. yet we all have this subconscious realization that sex is powerful. Yeah, and yeah, and 
And we know that because we we have such, and rightly so, stigmatized non-consensual sex as such a horrible evil. Yeah. And yet when you create a culture where there aren't clear boundaries, and yet if you get this wrong, it's really horrible, yeah. that's a very chaotic position Absolutely. to put people in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think more and more non-believers are, are just realizing that. Um, a number of feminists have come out with books in the last few years making the case that the sexual revolution has been really bad, and in particularly for women. Yeah. Because it is an amplification of lust, but it's also a denial of human nature. That we don't realize that men and women are different. <laughs> they have different strategies and goals when it comes to sex, yeah. different hopes, and, and they, those things need to be ordered toward good ends, yeah. or they become destructive. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. You know, some of these writers sound downright like fundamentalists yeah. in the way they're talking about sex and marriage and attachment. Yeah. But it gets to the problem of lust is that we have to start with what is sex gone right before we can talk yeah, about sex exactly. gone wrong. And, and sex is part of a fabric that God creates where there is a differentiation between men and women. There is a covenant relationship with clear parameters and bounds where, where there is commitment and mutual trust. And within that, sex is a very good thing. Yeah. And, and sex is actually a necessary thing to keep the covenant strong and alive yeah. and healthy. Yeah. It's an indispensable thing yeah. to, to that um, in, in some ways, right? Which, yeah. is, which is why it's very hard when there's not sex within marriage. It's, yeah. a, it's a tragedy when that happens, yeah. right? It's something to grieve. But what the sexual revolution did was first delink sex from procreation so that sex no longer has a procreative potential and then quickly detached it from any unitive function to sex either. So sex isn't about two people bonding. And abstracted sex into this thing that's completely about me. Well, what are they doing? They're just amplifying lust. Yeah. And so it's a cultural amplification of what this thing already is. Yeah. And now we see the fruit of it in our culture. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. And I think, too, um, from a spiritual point of view, it is, it is Satan and his minions that are... Um, promoting this, yep. and they're not promoting it to give us more pleasure. That's not their goal, <laughs> is to make our lives better. They're, they want to destroy humanity and right. destroy us, and that's why the further this goes, the, the stranger uh, forms of sex become normalized, and, and, and younger and younger, mm -hmm. and, and uh, just different forms. And this is all because it's to destroy human beings, mm -hmm. is, is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we've long known this, yeah. that, 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 that sex outside of these confines leads to this. You know, you think of Proverbs 5, lest you give your honor to others yes. and your years to the merciless, yeah. lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. Yeah. And you say, how I hated discipline, I despise reproof. Do yeah. not listen to the voice of my teachers. So, yeah. so there's a very clear... Uh, dangers here. There's financial ruin. There's reputational ruin. There's family ruin, as as the breakdown of the nuclear family creates yeah. all sorts of vulnerabilities for children yeah. and opportunities for exploitation yeah. there. Uh, it, yeah. it just goes on and on and on. And, and to me, you know, kind of the flashpoint for societal wreckage is in so many ways the pornography industry mm -hmm. now for our culture because yeah. it's such an abstraction of lust, even from another human being. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of the ultimate. Abstraction, right? It, it's it's all about me right. and and this augmented reality, and uh, 
I heard I was listening to a podcast this morning from a, a, a porn star who got saved and, and came to Christ. But he said it's it this last year the porn industry eclipsed a hundred billion dollars uh globally. Uh mm. which is is just staggering. Yeah. Yeah. To think about the scope of that. Yeah. And the average age of introduction is eleven years old. Oh. Um yeah. And, and and so just the way that it is hijacking the normal sexual development, yeah, and normalizing violence, uh, and and uh, dehumanization, yeah, uh, is is just a staggering thing. Yeah, normalizing violence within sex, um, adrenaline responses within sex, all of these things. Um, yeah, it's a it's a harrowing thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is not a a small, a small little sin, but this is. Uh, has huge ramifications spiritually, socially, physically, in every way. In every way. And I think, um, obviously, if you abstract people, I'm just thinking about dangers, you will dehumanize them yeah. and you will degrade them. Yeah. There, there's no way to amplify lust without hurting other people. No. Uh, you know, idolatry and injustice always go together in the Bible. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so if you worship sex, you will sacrifice the bodies. And often the bodies of vulnerable women yes. on the altar of that desire. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. to me, one of the greatest reasons, from a practical reason, to fight pornography is just you look at these companies, they are, they are some of the greatest institutional sources of wickedness in the world right now in yeah. terms of rape, human trafficking, <laughs> exploitation. I mean, they are criminal enterprises. Yeah. And, and yeah. I... I would not be surprised in our lifetime if, if God brings down the reckoning on them yeah. because they're just so manifestly wicked. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but that's a great motivator for me to say, regardless of what I feel, I don't want to do the, be yeah. aiding and abetting yeah. this kind of criminal behavior at all. Absolutely. So all right, that's good. So we could go on and on about how bad this is. And you know, anyone here who's battling with lust, you know, uh <laughs> they're probably not gonna disagree with us, yeah. right? I, there's a great there's a great uh, video Russell Brand put out uh, a few years ago where he says, you know, no one, no one looks at porn for a few hours and then goes, well, that was a productive use of time. I'm ready to seize the day. You know, it's like everyone knows when they give into lust kind of instinctively like that. Something's off about this. Yes. Right. And, yeah. and, and so even a non-believer uh, can, can recognize yeah. that. Yeah. that this, isn't, this isn't according to the, the design. Right. So yet I think this is probably, if you look at enslavement to sin, one of, if not the hardest area for men and women who are deep in this to experience freedom. Right. right. And, and so this really gets to the heart of what we want to talk about, killing bad habits. To be clear, a habit isn't just a little surface thing in our life. A habit is a deeply ingrained way of thinking, yeah. relating, behaving. Yeah. And yeah. so we've got to get down into the roots of our lives, right. the way we think, feel, behave, to get out lust. Right. And um, so, so I want to give people hope that are, that are in the midst of this, because yeah. it is such a battle. Where would you start in, in helping people find freedom, deliverance from the lusts, uh, particularly sexual lust? I, I think one issue that needs to be clarified immediately is what do we mean by victory? Yeah. What do we mean by, by uh, freedom? Yeah. And it is not freedom from temptation, because we are clothed in our flesh. Sin is always trying to reign, 
And so we will never be free of temptation until the day we leave this body. And so victory is is being able to consistently say no to sin and yes to righteousness rather than being living a temptationless existence. And it, it is not expecting to experience heaven while we are on earth. So I think that's really important. So we, yeah. we're, you're signing up for a lifelong battle. Yep. Not the intense battle you may be experiencing now. It, it gets much, much better. But that... That, I think that's really important because I think some people, I used to think, well, if you're filled with the Spirit, then you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh, so therefore, fill me with the Spirit, and I shouldn't have any temptations at all if I'm filled with the Spirit. So then I got tempta- tempted. I thought, well, what happened? Where's the Spirit? What? Why did he leave me here? When, in fact, it's just a temptation. Jesus experienced temptations. Yeah, and it's um, it's a very popular misunderstanding of what sanctification is, yeah. that um, eventually we just sort of have this surrender moment to God, and He takes over our lives in a new way and frees us from desires. And yeah. you hear it in testimonies sometimes, that, yeah. you know, and, and once God really, once I gave Him the throne, oh, the desire itself just went away, yeah. never desired the thing again, whatever yeah. that thing is. Yeah. Now, sometimes God can graciously intervene and, and, and radically transform our desires, um, but uh, the norm for the Christian life is the desires of the flesh wage war against the desires of the Spirit, Yeah, as Paul says in Galatians 5. Yeah. Um, put to death the deeds of the body, like, right. like Paul says here. It's a right. violent, decisive act. Yeah. Cut your hand off, Jesus yeah. says. Make no provision for the flesh, Romans yeah. 13. Yeah. Uh, you are signing up for war. Yeah. Like Paul says in Ephesians six, yeah. yeah. So, so, so first, I, it sounds like step one is realize it's a battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of like the analogy of traffic. You know, it's like if you, when you get in the car in the morning, if you assume you're going on a country road and you live in the Bay Area, you know, you're going to be very upset about the traffic. You know, <laughs> people are driving crazy. I can't believe this every yeah. day. Why is this happening to me? But you go, no, I, yeah. I have a commute, and if I don't time this right, if I'm not alert, I could get hurt. I need to be very yeah. on guard. Oh, that's a good analogy. And, and that's how you wake up, yeah. is realizing that um, yeah. Satan has already been planning your demise today, Yeah. so yeah. I need to be planning for the resistance. Right, right. So the second thing I would, I would say about waging the battle is to trust in the power of the Spirit who lives in us and to depend on him rather than thinking that we can go in and wage the battle. Yeah. We, are, we are just as incapable of victory over sin as Christians as we were as, as non-believers, that sin is more powerful than we are. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so rather than making uh, resolutions or saying, today I'm not going to do that, it is more a moment-by-moment dependence on the Spirit of God. Please give me the power now to say no to sin and and yes to you. And, And he does. He really does. But I think that just that the righteous man shall live by faith. And so the, the more you grow in faith, the more dependent you become on, on Christ living his life through you, yeah. and the less confidence you put in yourself and your own abilities. Yeah. That's, 
that's so important. Um, we don't have the weapons to win this war. God does. Right. But but we have to avail ourselves of the resources that he right. gives. Right. And so I think walking in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit is, um, I like the image my mentor used, you know, if you, he would walk down the street with his wife and uh, sometimes they would, he'd put his arm around her and unless they synced up their steps, they'd start bumping into each other, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, and that's what you're doing with the Spirit is you have to keep in sync with where he wants to go. Yeah. And, and really what that comes down to is if you're serious about killing this, you need to fill your mind with God's truth yeah. about this issue. Yeah. Yeah. For me, and, and, and just full disclosure, like this is an area where I know I could burn the world down. Yeah. Is 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 in the area of lust. Yeah. You know, this is <laughs> this is the thing when I think of what would disqualify me from ministry. This is yeah. the area where I think I could be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And it's important for me to say that because now I will take necessary precautions to yes. protect myself. Yes. And so for me, it meant memorizing big chunks of scripture. Right. Memorizing Proverbs five. Right. Um, right. Memorizing other verses and then praying every day for God's protection in this area to yeah. start the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or any other you know practical tips? Well, I think you? I think I, I I agree with that. That input determines output, mm -hmm. and and I think the reason that a lot of us think that lust is so strong is because we're continually feeding our lusts. Um, that we're encouraging lust with what we put into our minds, yeah. and uh, Paul says. Uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap. Whoever sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Whoever sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. And so we essentially choose, that's Galatians 6, 6 and 7, uh, we essentially choose what's going to be on our mind by what we put into our mind. Um, garbage in, garbage out. And so... Um, for me, like you, I feel like I've got to spend time every day reading the Bible, thinking about it, meditating on it, and and praying, and 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 also to say no to things that uh, I've become more and more selective the older I've gotten because mm. um, I've realized that if I'm putting stuff that encourages my flesh into my mind, I'm going to have more trouble with the flesh that day than if I put stuff that encourages the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, it could be media, it can be music, it could be entertainment, it can be articles you read, all of these things. Exactly. Whatever is provoking yes. the flesh. Paul is very clear, you know, don't be deceived, don't make room for it. Yeah. Cut it out yeah. completely yeah. of your life. Yeah, make no provision. And, and so I think it starts, for me, with just being honest for my, with myself. And for me, part of it was talking to my wife saying, hey, there might be shows you're fine watching. That provokes something in me, so I'm not going to watch it yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, right? Uh, may, knowing where my no is in that, because yeah. I know it provokes the flesh. You yeah. know, um, it's not deceiving ourselves with our own weaknesses. You know, um, James Clear has a great line that the people who exercise the, are, the people with the greatest self-control are those who exercise it the least, mm. <laughs> right? And so they, they are planning in yeah. their lives for protection yeah. already. And yeah. so for me, 
just basically, it means I have internet filters on everything. It means I don't have a unfiltered search engine on my phone because I just know I don't want to carry around that little stick of heroin everywhere yeah. I go. Yeah. They could, could tempt me because yeah. I know that I'm weak in certain areas. And I don't think that's a sign of a lack of self-control. I think that's actually the way to exercise self-control exactly. is exactly. to pre-decide certain things yeah. in my life. Yeah. If my wife is away for the weekend, I'm going to pre-decide to text guys that know me and will speak truth to me yeah. to say, like, hey, she's away just to let you know. Let's yeah. let's all be in prayer. And, uh, and yeah. they'll say, great. And it's just... It's ways of saying I'm going to win battles before there's a battle. Yeah, yeah. So that so that um, I'm I'm giving my chance myself greater chances to succeed. Yeah. In the future. Yeah, yeah. And that's and I think good. that's you know that's often what spiritual warfare is. It's not God protect me from this current attack. It's God I know attacks are coming. Yeah. An evil day is coming. It's it's a proactive stance toward prayer, right? right. Not a reactive stance. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really important when we talk about lust. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. How does Solomon say it? Do not go near the door of her house. Keep away far from her. Yeah, lest you give your vigor to others. Yep. And I think the idea is, uh, if I think I can get close to sin without sinning, I've already lost the battle. Yep. Um, it, it, you've got to stay away uh, and realize how strong this temptation is. Um, if you think, well, I get, cl- I can get close, but I won't sin. I won't fall. Um, I'm just curious. Um, you're 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 already you're already down. sowing to the flesh exactly. When you, when you ha- and that's where the self deception exactly can often occur exactly. And and Paul doesn't say stand and fight. He says flee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the command is flee in First Corinthians yeah. six and in Second Timothy. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that's don't be deceived about this. If you know you're going to get lured into it, flee from those situations. Yeah. N- know what kind of encounters with people will lead you to lust after them. Yeah. And, and draw boundaries around that. Yeah. You know, don't deceive yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and you have to determine that. It's not yeah. something I can determine for you. Yeah. But, um, you know, th- th- those are some of the make no provision for the flesh exactly. kind of parts of it. And I think those are good. Environment is often, um, I think, underemphasized in this, right? You know, we, as Christians, we can focus so much on kind of internal motivation and willpower and the spirit. We don't just, we're not honest about the fact that... Yeah. That environment really matters. Yeah. But environment, it's necessary, right? That's kind of defense strategies, but it's not, it's not sufficient. No. Be- because at some point you have to also get to the issue of what is happening in my mind and heart that is causing me to have an over-desire yeah. for this thing. And I think that gets to Paul's point in Ephesians 4, where he talks about how our life was corrupt through deceitful desires. Mm. And, and then how we have to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So there are lies that we believe, right? And, and we have to identify them. Yeah. And they, and they don't come in the form of verbal statements. They come in the form of desires. Mm-hmm. But the desire itself is, has a, a level of deceit in it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so maybe a, a place to go now is how do we identify those lies as they come to us, um, hmm. you know, and, and speak truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think I think that's often, like you said at the beginning, having a, a deceptive view or a, a, a wrong view of desire and lust, right? It it starts with our view of this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think to begin with, the more familiar you are with the scripture, the the more easily it will be to pick out mm-hmm. the uh, the false desires. The the uh, the lies that uh, our flesh, the world, and the devil uh, are always sending our way. Right. Um, 
yeah, if you if you were more attractive to women, mm-hmm. uh, you you know you would be a much happier person, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> therefore um, you look for that kind of affirmation or that right. attention uh, from somebody, which just is setting you up, mm-hmm. even if if nothing ever happened. You're still sinning, right? Um, you know, and and but you probably will sin more if you don't put that to death and realize, no, that's a lie. Yeah, that's a lie. I my affirmation comes from the fact that I'm beloved by God. Yeah, and I'm going to only be joyful if I obey Him. Yeah, and so that's what I'm going to pursue. Mm-hmm. Is that you, you hit on a huge one there? I think, which is there is a deeper need and a good need that we often use sex to meet. Yes, and and, and often it's a need for acceptance affirmation, um, or intimacy. Yeah. And if we're not getting acceptance, affirmation, and intimacy with the Lord or with other people, nature abhors a vacuum, yeah. and we will look for it. And for some reason, sex feels like a way to get those things. It's yeah. not just a biological itch you're trying to scratch. Often no. it, it, it's, this is, you know, whether it's porn or whatever, this gives me a feeling of being wanted, desired, affirmed and respected. Yeah. And I need that. And then I'm going to get the, the problem is it's a, fa- it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, what's a, I don't even know the word, a facsimile. It's, it's false. <laughs> <laughs> well, sex is seldom about sex. It's, mm. it's always about a deeper need. Right. You're trying to use sex to meet. Yeah. And if that wasn't the case, why is there such a huge market in um, ED? Right. Um, and, and stuff like that. You <laughs> right. know, if it was just about sex, all these men uh-huh. would be, oh, well, that's not a problem anymore. I, right. I'm, Take I'm, care I'm, of I'm completely content right. when they actually go out and seek it chemically. Yeah. Uh, to, to do that is because they it, it gives them a feeling of being younger mm-hmm. or being wanted yep. or, or being important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all those, all those things. And, and you begin to see how many areas of life this taps on because if I'm, if I'm feeling rejection in my marriage, or if I'm disrespected at work, yeah. or I look at my job and think, oh, it's not really going anywhere, I don't, you know, or what do I really contribute to the world? Or you start yeah. asking those kind of questions. Yeah. Sex is something you can run to yes. to get a quick hit that exactly. deals with those deeper issues. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of getting victory, I would say that here are five lies that really quick that I mm-hmm. think that often come with, with gratifying our lust in this area. One is, um, I deserve this. Mm. You know, that God, you owe this to me. And um, that's a lie. Uh, the truth is, you don't deserve it. No one owes you sexual intimacy. No one has an obligation. Now, if you're married, you, you know, your spouse should feel, um, you know, a, um, you know that it, it is important to, to, to meet your needs sexually. But even then, uh, it is not something you can just demand from another person and certainly not something you can demand from God. And so the truth there is that who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid, Romans yeah. eleven thirty five. Yeah. You're not owed in this area. No. God has already given you way more than you deserve. You yeah. do not deserve this. Yeah. I think the, ne- the other lie is just no one will know. This is harmless. No one will know. And the truth is God knows. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his paths. God is not mocked. Yeah. And, and so if I really believe in, a, in, a, in an omniscient, omnipresent God, he sees this, he will take into account, and he will discipline me. For this action, yeah, um, probably publicly. Yeah, and and if you're a Christian, Christians always get caught. They Just always you know, they get always caught. get caught. Yep. If you're really God's kid, you're going to get caught. God yeah. doesn't discipline other people's kids. Yeah, 
disciplines his own, you're going to yeah, get caught. So that's, that's right. just, you got to, you got to live in that sobriety. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the lie about freedom is just that I can't be free. I, I can't get free from this thing. And yeah. I think that's one of the main ones the enemy uses to yeah. say that, you know, you're just, you're under the dominion of this is who you are. Yeah. You're, you're a sex addict and, and, and you, you know, you're going to act out and it's just the way it is. And yeah. The truth is Romans 6, 7. He who has died has been set free from sin. You're yeah. not under the dominion of sin. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, um, and then I think the, the fourth lie is I need sex. Not just deserve sex, but I need sex. That this is something that will die inside if I don't <laughs> gratify my sexual desire. Um, and, and the truth is it's not a need. Um, if you're not meeting it, the need God's way, it's not a need. Yeah. Um, you know, and the truth I go to is Psalm 84, that the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold yeah. from those who walk uprightly. Yeah, yeah. So, so God only withholds from me things that will kill me. Yeah. Uh, he does not withhold good things from me. That's right. Um, and then I think that the next one, and I think this is probably the thing that keeps people enslaved to sexual sin, is the lie, I can't let anyone know because I'll be rejected. Hmm. I, I can't let anyone know or my life is over. Yeah. Right. I can't. Yeah. The, 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 there's no coming back. And, and the truth is that, you know, what Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never, ever cast out. Yeah. And, and so I, I just think it's important as we're landing the plane here to say that, that I would say the thing, at least in talking to men, the thing that, that keeps them so enslaved is shame, mm -hmm. is they feel shame for what they're doing. Yeah. They don't know how to come into the light. And then because they feel shame, they have to do something with the shame. And the thing you do with shame is you go to God, you confess sin, and then you go to others and you confess sin yeah. to, to experience God's grace tangibly. Yeah. If you don't do that, then you have to do something to cope with the shame. And what you're going to do is you're going to run right back to the thing. Exactly. And, and it's this horrible cycle. It's a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle of dealing with your shame by dealing with the thing that gives you the shame. Yeah. And it's a prison. It's, yeah. it's slavery. And so this is where the gospel is the ultimate cure for this, because only the gospel can tell you that you're fully known and fully... Yeah. loved, and that the only way you will ever experience sweet fellowship with God or real connection with other people is to come into the light Yeah, yeah. and to walk in the light. And if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, Yeah. and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Yeah, that's good. Sin. That's good. Yeah. Other thoughts you have about getting delivered from this? I think the only other one is, um, there is there is no victory over any sin especially lust, without going to war. It just doesn't happen. You won't drift into you, it. You won't drift into it. You have to say no. No, I will not do that. I, I, I will not let sin reign in my mortal body. I will not present my members as instruments of unrighteousness, but I'm presenting myself to God. There's got to be a definitive choice. I won't do this. I will do this. And when we make that choice, then we experience the power of God. You don't get the power before you make the choice to put to death the deeds of the body. Yeah. That's how you experience the leading of the Spirit, is by responding to the Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I respond in faith the Spirit, then sure enough, he gives me the power to say no. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's hard, but it's still, God is developing in us a heart of obedience. Mm. And the way that heart of obedience is developed is by obeying. 
obeying over and over and over again until it becomes just a new habit. Right. It becomes a natural thing to say no to lust every time it come, it sticks up its head. And, and just because that's what we've been doing for so long, it just becomes. So you'll always have to say no, but getting saying no comes easier, much easier over time as it becomes a habit. And you see the goodness of God in it. Yeah. That, that oh, you yeah. see, oh, man, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. And, 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 and that's one of the blessings and what grows your faith is you will resist, and you'll think, oh, I'm going to feel miserable if I resist this. And we all know, you know, 15 minutes later, you're yeah. thinking about something else, yeah. you know, if you resist temptation in this area. But then you look back, and you go, man, I am just so glad I did not gratify the desires yeah. of the flesh. Um, the mental energy it would take thinking about that, the feelings of guilt or shame and having to deal with that. It's yeah, just so yeah. much better to live in the freedom yeah. that God provides. Yeah. Oh, it really is freedom. Yeah. Uh, you it know, is. it's a horrible way to live, yeah. to, to live trapped in this shame cycle or trapped in yeah. this, uh, the enslavement of this thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, want, I want an intimate relationship with God. I want an intimate relationship with other people. I want it with my spouse. Um, and, and that's the great motivator yeah. is that is is that he is a rewarder of those who seek yeah. him, and, yeah. and you will experience that reward as you obey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I would say too to anybody listening who who doesn't know where to start with confession, if they feel like I'm so deep in this, how do I ever get out? Mm-hmm. I, I want to be very careful with my words here. Your spouse needs to know, but. A first step might be a trusted spiritual advisor, someone you know who's spiritually mature, starting a conversation with them. Yeah. To just start talking about it with yeah. somebody. Yeah. And and it is better to start with somebody to start getting this out in the open and talking about it than to stay in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. S- someone who you know loves God, loves you, understands grace, is not going to condemn you. Yeah. for what you're doing, but does want to come alongside you and help you yeah. and start that conversation. And that person can help you think through now, how do I talk to my, my spouse about this yeah. thing? That's not, I don't have a verse for that one. I just think practically, I think it's important to lower the activation barrier for people to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and anything you can do to start walking in the light is important. And there will be a time you do need to ultimately come clean to your spouse. You know, I've had to confess things to my spouse. You know, this is just, this is part of being in a marriage. It's painful, but, but if nothing else, start talking to somebody yeah. about this issue yeah. um, because it grows so powerful in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And I think along with that, to ask yourself, if you don't want to do that, why don't I want to come into the light? Why, why don't I want to admit that I've got this problem is probably because you really don't want victory. You don't want to, uh, and so be honest with just to see how deceptive sin is and, and how uh, it is the, called the lust of deceit for a reason. Um, and you're just deeper into it than you even know if you're unwilling to come into the light. Yeah. I, that image, I'm watching Lord of the Rings with, with my son right now. And, uh, the image of Gollum is just so yeah. poignant yeah. that here's a man whose life has been prolonged by this this power, yeah. the ring that he's fixed on, and it has destroyed him. Yeah, a- and yet he cannot let go of that right. thing, right? Uh, even though it's his demise, right? And it's it's such a a brilliant picture of, yeah. of sin's destructive power yeah. that yeah. that seems to promise life, 
and yet just keeps us enslaved to the thing itself. Yeah. yeah. All the while taking life from us. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, realizing that is what is happening, that, that you have a spiritual cancer that is, yeah. that is eating you alive, yeah. and you are missing out on the abundance and joy and freedom and intimacy God wants yeah. for you, and to actually experience the gospel, yeah. <laughs> to actually come out in the light, be known, be loved, be forgiven, and and I've seen for you know people I've worked with who go through that process, it's painful. They are different people yeah. on the other side of it. Yeah, they are different. Their every, every one of their relationships is different. Their marriages are different. In some cases, it's like they're they're born again for the first time. Yeah, in, yeah. in some ways because it's such a re- again, and maybe they the were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway. Uh, just an Good. encouragement there to anybody listening. So Great. we can go on and on, but we won't. So thanks, Dad. Uh, thanks, thank you, listeners, and we'll talk to you again soon.